be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to cover verses 1 through 20, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 9, and then um, we'll cover the other verses as we work our way through the sermon. Mark chapter 4 is page 709, by the way, 709, if you're using a pew Bible. Mark chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up at verse number 1. Here we have what's called the parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. A crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things in parables. And his teaching, and in his teaching, he said, Listen! A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, and, uh, multiplying 30, 60, and even a 100 times. And then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, as we open up these verses and study them, and the real meaning in this parable... I pray that we will indeed, as Jesus said, listen up. In Jesus' name, amen. According to the Associated Press, uh, they released this study that was done recently. and uh, it, it, The study is about married women. And in the study, so supposedly, one-third of married women say that their pets are better listeners than their husbands. Now... Now, I don't know. I, I find that hard to believe. I, I, I'm thinking more like two-thirds of wives would probably say. But, you know, would we all agree that it's always best for a husband to listen to his wife? Could we, we'd all agree. You, know, you just have a better marriage. It's, it's good for a student to listen to their teacher if they want better grades. It's good for a patient to listen to the doctor if they want to have better health. These are all good things to listen, in which we should listen. But do you know who is the most important person we should listen to? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. Jesus brought the most important message that has ever been spoken on this earth. And really, you think about this. There are really what we're going to see this morning, there are just two ways that people listen to Jesus. Some people listen to Jesus like, um, like passengers on an airline. You know, when the flight attendant is, has the, uh, the seat belt, you know, and they're going through the emergency instructions. Have you ever been on those flights and you look at the people? They're all, you know, they're not paying attention. 
Or you can listen to Jesus like someone in the doctor's office who has cancer. And they're listening to the oncologist as the oncologist is going over their treatment plan. That person is listening. They are hanging on to every word. They are listening attentively. They are listening carefully. They are listening deeply. And when it comes to Jesus, all of us here are listening in one of those two ways. I love David's testimony. Because as he was growing up in church, how was he listening? Not very carefully, was he? So what evidence do, can I look at in my life that says to me that I am really listening and listening carefully to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or am I more like David who grew, who grew up in church and, and heard it with his ears but wasn't listening with his heart? The stakes are high. The stakes are very high. In fact, Jesus is going to share with us just how high those stakes are. In today's passage, Jesus, he's teaching a large crowd. The crowd is, has, has grown so large that he's, he's had to get in a boat and, and make his way out a little, a little bit into the lake because they are pushing up against him. And there he tells a parable. It's a parable about a farmer who's out sowing seed along the, in, his, in his field. And where the seed lands, it lands. And he talks about four different kinds of, of places where the, uh, where the seed lands. Four different kinds of soil. Let me tell you, Jesus takes his teaching seriously. And this is why he prefaces his teaching with a warning. The first thing Jesus says in verse number three is, listen, listen. And then he concludes the very same way in verse number 9. Now the NIV translated, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Actually, that is the same word in verse number 3, translated listen. It literally reads, Jesus then concludes, he who has ears, listen, listen. Because there's no greater message than what I am about to share. He's pleading with them. Listen. No, don't listen with your ears. Listen with your heart. Listen deeply. Because the stakes are high. How high are they? Well, let's read verse number 10 and 11. Jesus now is going to share with us just how high these stakes are. Verse 10. When he was alone, so what's happened now? The crowd has dismissed. He is alone. The twelve and the others around him Asked him about the parables. So there's 12 plus, there may be 20 or 30 people that have stayed around after class. And they come up and they want to know, tell us more about these parables. We want to learn more. They're hungry to learn more. They're very attentive. They're careful listeners. So they ask him, tell us about these parables. And here's what he tells them. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Think about that. He's talking about salvation here. So what is it about them that the, the secret or salvation would be given to them? They're listening. 
They're attentive. They're careful listeners. They're hanging on every word that Jesus is teaching them. And, And by the way, you have to remember, what is the guiding principle in Scripture? Faith comes by hearing. And what are they doing? They are hearing. They're listening. They want to learn more. But, then, but, but Jesus goes on. He doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 11 and he says, But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. In other words, is hidden from them. And then he quotes a parable uh, or, a pro, or a poetry out of Isaiah. They may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing, never understanding. You see the Hebrew poetry there? He's saying the same thing twice. They, they see, but they really don't. They hear, but they're not listening with their hearts. Otherwise, he said, you know what? If they'd have hung around like you did, they would be forgiven like you. You see, many people are just simply missing salvation. It's walking right there in front of them, and they're missing it. And that's what this parable is all about. Are we listening with our ears? Or are we listening with our heart? In this parable, you have the seed, which represents the word of God. You have the sower, which was Jesus. But today, it's anybody who's out sharing the gospel. And then you have four kinds of soil. And that's what we're going to focus on. Four kinds of soil. They represent the heart. Four different kinds of people. There's the hard-hearted person. There's the shallow person, there's the divided person, and then there's the receptive heart person. Let's take a look at these. First of all, let's look first of all at the hard soil or the hard-hearted person. The hard heart must listen and beware of Satan's deception. So the sower is out sowing the seed. Some of it lands on the, we would call it the walkway. This is where the, uh, the uh, farmer would walk and he would toss the seed. And because he walks on it constantly, it has become packed down and it's as hard as concrete. And what happens to seed when it lays on something that hard? It just lays there. And then the birds come and pluck it up. Jesus interprets this for us in verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. They have a hard heart. It just, the seed lands on his hard heart and it, it just lays there. It doesn't go in at all. And birds come and take it away. This is the person who has a hard heart. And I, I don't suppose there's anybody whose heart is so hard as the person whose heart has been trampled on. Again and again and again. Uh, I'm thinking, for example, of a young person whose heart was trampled on by an abusive father. And because his father trampled on his heart as a child growing up was abusive, he hates his father and he hates the church and the religion that his father belonged to. A hard heart. I, I think also, when you talk about a hard heart, I think of an atheist. That person who now believes that scientific knowledge has disproven the existence of God. That we are nothing more than a result of of an evolutionary process. You know, 
Ravi Zacharias is a, was a Christian apologist. He would often debate atheists. And he would almost always in, invariably ask them in the debate, if, if Christianity were proven to be true, would you become a Christian? And in every instance, do you know what they would reply? No. They would not. Why? Because their hearts are hardened. And by the way, you don't have to be an atheist to have a hard heart. Even religious people have hard hearts. Remember, just what, two or three weeks ago, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is uh, teaching in a synagogue. And there's a man with a shriveled arm in 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 the audience. And Jesus calls him up and heals him. And the religious leaders are outraged. Remember why they were so outraged? Because he healed the man on the Sabbath day. They were critical of him and angry at Jesus. But listen, listen to what Jesus says. Or listen to what it says, Mark chapter 3 verse 5. He looked around at them, the religious leaders. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn or their hard hearts. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, they had hard hearts. And there are religious leaders today they, that have hard hearts. Seminaries. There are professors in seminaries who have hard hearts. Ministers in pulpits that have hard hearts. What I mean is this. They do not believe. They do not believe that Jesus worked miracles. They do not believe that Jesus rose bodily from the grave. They do not believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Their hearts are hardened. The Apostle Paul, I think, sums it up very well. He says, the God of this age, that would be Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Think about it. A hard, hard heart. That's first of all. Let's look at the second heart. The second heart or the second soil. This is the person who must listen and beware of life's troubles. As the sower is throwing a seed, some of it lands on soil. It's very shallow. It's very shallow. The shallow heart. Because in Israel, a lot of Israel is rock with a very thin layer of soil. And what happens then is as the sun comes up and begins to beat down on the soil, because it is so thin, the moisture is gone and the plant withers away. Let's look at Jesus' interpretation. Verse 16. Others, he says, are like seed is sown on rocky places. They hear the word and once receive it with joy. But since they have no root... They only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is the person who's curious about Christianity. They may attend a Bible study. They might even attend church for a while. They're very curious. They're very interested. They like what's going on. They like to see what's happening. But then something happens in their life. Tragedy. Adversity. And then they begin to question Is this real? Why did God let this happen to me? 
Why is God a God of why would a God of love let something like this happen? I think Dave mentioned that there was a time when he began to look at all the suffering in the world and began to wonder how could a God of love allow all that suffering to go on? Maybe it's not all real. And sometimes people will say, you know, I used to believe in Christianity, but you know, I prayed about this, and I prayed, and God never answered my prayer. I don't know, I just don't think it's real. People with a shallow heart, they see themselves as a suffering person in need of relief, when really they are sinners in need of a Savior. That's what it boils down to. They want, they want Jesus to come into their kingdom, not them go into his kingdom they want a blesser not a a savior they they want jesus to be their service provider and as long as the service is good they're happy but when the service goes south they're not so happy charles templeton was saved in the early years of the billy graham ministry back when billy graham was preaching to youth groups and he was so excited about it and he thought, man, this is great. I want to be a part of this and got involved. But then he began looking at all the suffering going on in the world today or back then and the hunger and all the problems and he walked off. And what makes him so famous is he wrote a book about it. And he entitled that book, Farewell to God. A Shallow Heart. So there's a hard-hearted person. There's a shallow-hearted person. Let's look at the third. The third is the uh, divided heart person. They must listen and beware of the world's pleasures. Here is the sower. He's sowing seed. Some of it lands in soil that has weeds and thorns. And because it has thorns and weeds, it, it... all those plant, other the weeds, sort of draw all the nutrition away from the plant. One thing I've learned in my years of gardening, you don't have to plant weeds. And if you don't believe me, ask Wayne. Is it true, Wayne? We've never had to plant one weed out in the church garden. They just come up every year. Listen to what Jesus says. Still others, this is verse 18, still others like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of the world, of this life, the deceitfulness of of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and make it unfruitful. This is the person, this is the person, they show interest in Christianity and a little interest in the Bible and kind of curious about it all. But after a while, you know, they get busy. And they just don't have time for God anymore. There's there's work, there's recreation, there's entertainment, there's sporting events. There's so many other things out there to be doing. I just don't have time for God anymore. So what do we have? We have a divided heart, a shallow heart, and a hard heart. And what do all three of them have in common? They lack depth. And there's no fruit. Because the heart is not letting the gospel seed take root and grow. 
Many people refer to this as extrinsic, extrinsic faith, I guess is the way. Extrinsic faith. And I think, you know, hearing Dave's testimony, I think that that's probably what he had for many years of his life. It was just out there, but it wasn't... It, these are people who are listening with their ears. But they're not listening with their heart. And that brings us to the last soil we want to look at. This is the receptive heart. The heart that listens and bears fruit. Verse number 20. Other seed. Others like seed sown on good soil. Hear, they listen, they hear the word. They accept it. And it produces a crop. 30, 60, 100 times what is sown. You know what you have here? This is called organic growth. It is growth from within. It begins on the inside and it begins working its way through the veins and out through the way we live our lives. What kind of fruit are we talking about? Hebrews 13.15 says that our praise to God is the fruit of our lips. The Apostle Paul says uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness. So all these things, these are the fruit of the Spirit. It's organic growth. It starts from within and it comes to the outside. And by the way, you know what? This is why I believe, here we see why Jesus compares the gospel, his message, to a seed. Do you know how small a seed is? I mean, they're, they're, they're very small. They're very small. They're very unassuming. Um, very, um, I don't know. They're, they're just unimpressive. The little teeny seed. And Jesus says, my message is like that little seed. Very unimpressive. Very small. Very insignificant. I mean, think about the gospel message a minute. A little baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, raised in the city of Nazareth in a carpenter's home, and his greatest victory is that he, he dies on a cross. He's crucified on a cross. That, that, that's the gospel. You know, a lot of people laugh at the gospel. They mock it. They think, oh, that message couldn't change anybody. That message could never change the world. The gospel is like a little seed. It seems so insignificant. But let me tell you, when that gospel seed gets deep into your heart and it takes root, its transforming power goes to work. The gospel seed, that gospel life comes to life within each one of us and it has a power to change the human life. It is a life-giving power. And I love Dave's testimony to help you see the power of the life-giving seed of the gospel when it really takes root within the heart. And you know how you, you know how you can say, man, it's come to truth. The gospel has taken root in my life. Here's how you know. When all the things of this world try to lure you away, you know what you say? I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. Because his living presence within me, his love flowing through me, is more real than all the things of this world. You know how, you know that the gospel has taken root in your heart? When all the troubles of the world come on you, 
You know what you say? It is well with my soul. Because God's living presence within you, his love that is flowing through you, it is more real than all the troubles of the world. Satan, he cannot come and snatch it away. The problems of the world cannot wither it away. The things of this world will never lure it away. That seed has taken root in your heart. And it is producing fruit. And when we open our Bibles and we read, we say to ourselves, this is what has been missing in my life. When we bow our head in prayer, we say, this is what's been missing all my life. When we lift our voice in praise to God, we say, this is what has been missing all of my life. It is that gospel seed. And that's why Jesus, all through the gospels, he says again and again and again, listen. Listen, not with your ears. Listen with your heart. Let it sink in. Dwell on it, think on it, meditate on it. Receive it. Receive it. You see, those who listen carefully implant the gospel deeply, bear fruit abundantly. That's what I want us to take home today. Those who listen carefully implant the gospel deeply, bear fruit abundantly. Now, is it possible for a hard-hearted person or a shallow-hearted person? Is it possible to, for that heart to change? Yes, it is. Absolutely. I think Dave's an, an example too, Shane. The, the, you know what has to happen? The holy gardener has to come in and begin to break up that hardness, break up that shallow, pull out those rocks, pull out the... Let the Holy Gardener come in and he can turn that soil into good soil and that seed can sink in and it can bear fruit and grow. So, where's your heart today? Do you listen to Jesus like you listen to the flight attendant on a plane? Or are you listening to him like you're in an oncologist's office and saying, I'm hanging on every word because it's real. Let it sink in today. If you've never come to faith in Christ, if all you've ever done in your life was listen with your ears, I pray today, this is going to be the day I'm going to, I'm going to begin listening with the heart. Take it serious. Let's pray. Father, your word is real, is powerful. So powerful that when it grips, gets into our heart and takes root, it's life-changing. And I pray that today, Father, if there's anyone who's never seriously taken your word and planted in their heart, today would be that day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together the greatest thing. Two stanzas.
this morning that uh, we have a new family that are going to join our family and that is Alan and Melissa Galletley and their children Andrew and Chase and uh, Melissa is over on this side and uh, Alan is over here on this side and they're getting along just fine <laughs> it's, it's just that Alan is running the, the board for us today and Melissa works in our daycare and children's school so we're glad to welcome them as part of our family so if you get a minute just say hey we're glad to be here you're a part of our family and we're glad to have David with us you know again the grandson of Alan and Joan that many of us have known for many many years uh, I'm going to ask David to go on ahead and he's going to be back at the table and he can uh, maybe sh- share with you a little bit about some of the um, displays he has back there and get a chance to meet him and know him a little bit better I love his testimony I think it's great and it was it just fell into the sermon so perfectly it's hard to believe maybe God has something to do with that who knows right all right let's uh, let's have a closing prayer father we're thankful again thankful for your love and your grace and thankful that you are the holy gardener have taken so many of our hearts that were hard they were shallow they were filled with thorns and you have reached down and done a work in our hearts and we've received you and we're gracious to you for that now may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace we pray in jesus name amen my Savior live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do 